released, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my co-host and main man, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you, brother? Oh, I'm feeling good, Foltz. How are you? Feeling good. Feeling really good. Uh, one of the things that was on my mind today, actually, was, um, you know, it's getting a little later in the month of September. What's going on with the uh, Area 51 raid? Is this going down or that was all that was the huge that was the rage for a while. It was. I mean, I think it started off as a joke on Facebook if if somehow you're unfamiliar with uh, the Area 51 raid, but uh, and then it took on a, a life of itself and started all the hotels like around Rachel Nevada were sold out and well gosh, I mean even the uh, the military was making responses they don't don't do it. And I th- then... I think there was 2 million people that, that clicked that they were going. Right. I mean, I had wanted to maybe go out there, not to participate in trying to run, just for the, just to cover it, almost, just to see. But, uh, yeah, it took on such a life of itself that I guess the guy that came up with the page, then what, he, he decided he wanted that turn it into a festival right i I think it was a a different so i think the person that made the festival was a different guy than the facebook guy and the facebook guy kind of wanted to distance himself right from i think this alien stock oh alien stock yep yep exactly and uh but yeah but i guess as recent as oh my gosh even today that uh that's not gonna happen yeah, here's an article that was just released. The creators of the viral storm Area 51 Facebook event announced that they no longer want to be associated with the Alien Stock Festival that was originally planned to take place in Rachel, Nevada in late September. Due to the lack of infrastructure, poor planning, risk management, and blatant disregard for the safety of the unexpected 10 plus thousand alien stock attendees, we decided to pull the plug on the festival. A statement on the alien stock website reads, we foresee a possible humanitarian disaster in the works and we can't participate in any capacity at this point. Meaning, we know some people are, man, you're at a festival, maybe you've been partying maybe a little too hard. Someone's going to make a run for it and then... Well, then it's all over. Right. They're going to get uh, shot. They're going to get shot. One shot would ring out, and then everyone's just going to scatter. It and would be mayhem. It would. So I'm glad to see that uh, this whole alien stock is not going to happen, and you know, Rachel Nevada is not going to get descended on like one of, being one of the biggest <laughs> counties in the, in the state temporarily. And uh, And I just hope the whole Area 51 thing raid just – fizzles yeah goes let, away let cooler minds prevail i mean first of all let's just be honest i mean number one it'd be dumb you're gonna get hurt killed arrested or worse and your family could be in jeopardy but honestly it's been in the in the blatant eye of the news and the media for so long they would they wouldn't even let you get that far if you would there wouldn't even be anything there. I, I read one of the best things one time. Some guy said the best thing that Area 51 could do is on September 19th, open it up for tours. <laughs> yeah. It would shut it all down. You know, I mean, gosh, I mean, who knows how much is, is stored there anyway. It's probably underground. So. Well, it just goes to like Fort Knox when they said uh, there isn't even any gold stored there anymore. Yeah. but And, and who can prove that? Because. It's like trying to get into Fort Knox. Yeah, there's nobody that's been in there. So, so, but what's interesting about the whole storm area 51, and it it, it kind of ties into our topic for tonight, and I'll explain it kind of like this, because as you can tell, we're going to be talking about technological singularities, and uh, and the expansion of of AI. Well. And, and, of course, and, and how rapidly it can evolve and take on a life of its own. Well, if you look back to Roswell, um, 1947, prior to that, there wasn't a whole lot that was coming out in the technological eras or ways or anything that people could buy. I mean, computers were still just a humongous thing at NASA. But ever since the, uh, the recovery of the craft and... Uh, the back engineering, the microchip was soon to follow. And, well, our information age just exploded based on that. And um, fiber optics were something that came out of the of, of the reverse engineering as well. And just 
catapulted us into a tech, uh, technological age. But we're going to talk about tonight, if that goes a little bit step further with, uh, with AI. So here we go. Hold on. As humanity stands on the brink of technology, triggered information revolution, the scale scope and complexity of the impact of intelligent evolution in machines is unlike anything humankind has ever experienced before. As a result, the speed at which the ideas, innovations, inventions are emerging on the back of artificial intelligence has no historical precedent and is fundamentally disrupting everything in the human ecosystem. In addition, the breadth, depth, and impact of this intelligent evolution on furthering of ideas and innovations across cyberspace, geospace, and space herald the fundamental transformation of an entire interconnected, interdependent systems of basic applied sciences, research and development, concept commercialization, politics to governance, socialization to capitalism, education to training, production to markets, survival to security, and more. The technology triggered intelligent evolution in machines, and the linkage between ideas, innovations, and trends have in fact brought us onto the doorstep of singularity. Irrespective of whether we believe the singularity will happen or not, the very thought raises many concerns and critical security risks, uncertainties for the future of humanity. This forces us to begin a conversation with ourselves and with others, individually and collectively, about what we want as a species. While there's no way to calculate just how and when this intelligent revolution will unfold in machines, one thing is clear. It changes. The very fundamentals of security and the response to it must be integrated and comprehensive. Acknowledging this emerging reality, Risk Group initiated the much-needed discussion on artificial intelligence, driven technology singularity, with David Wood on Risk Roundup. While we humans have changed our ecosystems numerous times, intelligent machines are expected to change and expand the human ecosystem in unprecedented ways. As seen across nations, the connected computers, information, communication, digitization technology, and internet has fundamentally disrupted the information process created by humans, which has given the rise to an information age. The success of a rapidly progressing information age is based on data, and data information are all around us. When we evaluate the information and intelligence evolution in machines, we realize that it has transformed human life in CGS through fundamental innovations in how we generate digital data and information, how we capture and collect the digital data, how we store it, how we retrieve it, how we replicate the information, thereby blurring the boundaries of languages, time zones, politics, ideology, race, religion, and culture. As seen, the quantity and quality of digital data and information created and stored by humans is multiplying rapidly in cyberspace, reaching about several quintillion bytes of data already. As of now, the current human population is around 7.7 billion, and the number of humans getting connected keeps growing. And with growing con connectivity, the data and information keep growing as well feeding machines what they need to allow them to see patterns, learn, and make them more and more intelligent. Wow. Yeah, quintillion. That's up there. That so, is a, a huge number to even discuss. I know. We were trying to wrap our heads around it in, in pre-show and basically just came up with, it's a lot. Yeah, it's so much. And, and you can see that in those big server farms and those humongous buildings that house YouTube and Google, those are just all s server farms that have all of those quintillion bytes stored on them. Yeah, totally. So let's see. What are we going to do here? Okay, the progress in machine learning algorithms and in neuromorphic chips. On the back of ongoing information revolution, as the machine learning algorithms improve rapidly, the poor and promise of software that learn by example, patterns, models, seem immense. Along with impressive advances in software development, they're all... There also now seems to be a parallel evolution in computer hardware to enhance machine intelligence capabilities. This is clearly visible in the 
<clears throat> intensification of ongoing efforts towards developing systems on a chip. Focus on redesigning more efficient, lower energy consuming microprocessor chips that mimic the human brain circuitry. All these rapidly evolving neuromorphic chips are being designed to process human sensory data, such as images, smell, and sound, to respond to changes in that artificial intelligent evolution. This is mainly because any effort or initiative in shrinking down the power of the neural net based on human brain or an octopus brain onto a single semiconductor chip means that these learning, modeling, and pattern recognition algorithms and data and information capabilities for exponential growth in machine intelligence. This is expected to fundamentally change how we gather information and intelligence. Wow. Just getting deep, boy. Right. So, I mean, what they're saying basically is these uh, trend and... The, the software that they're using right now to kind of check out what you're doing and predict what you're going to do in the future or where you've been on the internet and where you want to go on the internet in the future have come such a long way that if you're looking for uh, like Amazon, you know, you're looking for things that you normally buy. They're giving you things that they think you would want to buy and you actually want to buy them. Right, right. They've come such a long way. Well, yeah, I don't know if we talked about this in a previous podcast. Uh, we were talking about if people think that your phones are always listening and your phone and your computers are always listening, and that your uh, your Alexa is always listening. Uh, this one guy he was teaching a class, uh, probably on uh, you know cyber intelligence or something, and he he went on to say it's not that your phones and your computers and everything is listening; it's that the AI developed inside of them is learning you at the same rate that you're learning yourself. Like you'll think it's a coincidence. Oh, well, I went on the Facebook and I saw that. Well, that may be true that you were on a website and that made that connectivity, but sometimes it's just random like you were talking about it. Well, the AI learned. And you think that you were talking about it and the microphone picked up the words that you were right, saying. Right, right. But it didn't necessarily do that. It actually may have, like what you've read an article, it, it timed how long you spent on those web pages absorbed the data that you absorbed and then predicted what your thoughts from that data would be. Right. I was out in California a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago and uh, I saw this billboard that had an alien on it. So I thought it was awesome. So of course I took a picture of it, nothing more than just a picture, but then I was on uh, one of the social media outlets and uh, well, here came a, a sponsored ad from that. Now, did it gather it from my phone, from my photos, or, or, or tracking where I was relative to that place? And then the AI learned that if you're connect, if you're there, then you would probably really like this. It, it puts it all, to, <laughs> it know, puts it all mean, together. I mean, it's probably geotabbing where you're at location-wise. It's looking at the advertising that's in that area right. and predicting what you would be interested in. Yeah, knowing where I am and being able to get, gather all the information about it simultaneously and then be able to sort it based on what it already knows that I like. That is a, a great example of AI, man. It is. Now, as a result, as the com uh, computing power of the rapidly evolving computers will exceed that of even the most intelligent and evolved human brain, the, <clears throat> the exponential growth in machine intelligence will continue towards singularity. Then, artificial superintelligence will be just around the corner. <clears throat> so, the impact of the intelligence explosion is there's no doubt that when a superintelligence emerges through an artificial intelligence, it will bring to bear greater problem solving and inventive skills than the current humans are capable of. But would that not also mean creating another species with intelligence that may or may not have human interest at heart? What happens to human intelligence and the human race at that point of the singularity? That brings up good question. It's true. I mean, if you're bringing uh, super intelligence to the point where it's gone beyond human intelligence, then does that super intelligence have humanity at its heart? Or is the best interests of humanity with the AI? I would almost assume that at that point, if, if they don't need us anymore, <clears throat> pardon me, we're nothing more than lab rats. Right. If they don't need us, they're not going to keep us around. Yeah, exactly. So, Steve, why don't you talk about um, you know keeping up with the superintelligence? Well, this brings us to an important question. 
Amidst the rapidly evolving and converging technologies, when the intelligence explosion seems inevitable, how will humans keep up with the superintelligent machines? Now, there's two. There's those who believe that to overcome artificial superintelligence, emerging methods can be used to enhance in human human intelligence and create a superhuman with superintelligence, which is that interests me so much to create a superhuman. While in theory, creating a superhuman with superintelligence is likely possible through intelligence amplification of human brain and or intelligence augmentation through advances in bioengineering, genetic engineering, neurotropic drugs, mind uploading, and even direct brain-computer interfaces, AI assists, and more. The reality is evolution of the human brain and human intelligence is a very complex endeavor with too many unknowns, dependencies, and variables. So what's the economic impact of singularity? Economic progress has often been driven by some sort of automation. And AI has begun to increase automation in the production of goods and services across nations and across jobs. So the question emerges, what happens if everything can be automated? That is, if people and processes can be replaced by AI, what would economic growth look like? Well, I can say, for one, right off the bat would be um, one of the big, uh, bigger box stores out there you go into and... Typically, there's nobody at the cash registers, right? And and everybody's just dependent on going to uh, the self checkout. Now I have to say, I'm a self checkout kind of guy because I'll go into the store and I'll grab a couple things. Now, if I'm doing a big grocery load, that's another thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> there. I mean, there, there's fast food restaurants out west now that is just you walk in, you type in what you want, and then then your food comes out. You didn't even talk to anybody. Right, it takes away the human interface, which a lot of times will result in errors. Anytime there's humans involved in something, human error comes into play. Well, sure. So if you can eliminate that face-to-face contact with someone and directly input exactly what you want into a machine, the odds are that you're going to get a better outcome than if there's a translation between you telling somebody what you want and them entering it into the machine. It's just, it's, it's a lot. And it, it, it's really a lot to take in. While there can be no clear timeline or consensus on when superintelligence is likely to be achieved, one thing is clear, that the troubling trajectory of technological singularity forces us to think seriously about what we want as a species. Irrespective of whether the singularity is driven by artificial intelligence or any other technological means, it is bound to trigger a technological tsunami, resulting in unfathomable changes and challenges to human civilization and its ecosystem in cyberspace, geospace, and space. Since there's no direct evolutionary motivation for an AI to be friendly to humans, the challenge is in elevating whether, in evaluating whether or not artificial intelligence-driven singularity will, under evolutionary pressure, promote their own survival over ours. The reality remains that artificial intelligence evolution will have no inherent tendencies to produce or create outcomes valued by humans, and there's little reason to expect an outcome desired by mankind from any superintelligent machine. I'll be back. It's exactly what I thought of, too. I thought of Terminator. Absolutely. I mean... Once they lose that compassion towards humans... It's just going to be an eradication. But you know what? It might not. It might not necessarily be a loss of uh, compassion for humans. Again, I'll bring up the uh, the mice in, in a lab scenario. How much? I mean, it's not that we don't have compassion for them as living animals, but we just look at them as uh, using them better than working on us or wasting resources when we have that. Right. We value the life of humans more than the life of a mouse. Right. So if the if the supercomputers and the superintelligence values their existence more than the existence of human beings, we're we're in trouble. Totally. Now let's see. Do let's see. Oh, so let's explain the singularity as if like someone was a five year old. 
supercomputers to super intelligent. Here's an experiment that fits all ages. Approach your mother and father. Ask them gently about the time before you were born and whether they dare think at the time that one day everybody will post and share their images on social network called Facebook. Or will they receive answers to every question from a mysterious entity called Google? Or enjoy the services of a digital advisor called Waze that guides you everywhere on the road? Well, I know, speaking from experience when I was a kid, and I've even told this to my children, talking to friends on the phone, you know, the old phones, the rotary phones, and uh, just thinking and you know, or talking amongst my siblings and friends, wouldn't it be awesome if you could just be able to see the person on the other line and be able to just you know, have fun with them? And now flash forward 30 years, I don't use FaceTime ever. <laughs> right. You can do it now. You don't really do it. And also, when we were kids, we would do research projects. And in order to do that, you would physically have to leave your classroom, go to the library, get the Encyclopedia Britannica out, thumb through the pages till you get to alphabetical order, whatever subject it is that you're looking up, and then pretty much plagiarize whatever it was in your report. Well, well, you and I had to do that for a biology report in high school. We had to go out to the library, learn it, and then we had to video it there with a big video camera on our shoulder. Right. And now, like a camera, video recorder, your computer, whatever, everything is just in your pocket. Everything is in the palm of your hand. Bizarre. The truth is that the very thought in those olden days of yore, the technologies like supercomputers wireless network or artificial intelligence will make their way to the general public in the future. Even those who figured that these technologies will become cheaper and more widespread failed in imagining the uses that they will be put to and how they will change society. History is full of cases in which a new and groundbreaking technology or a collection of such technologies completely changes people's lives. The change is often so dramatic that people who have lived before the technological leap have a very hard time understanding how the subsequent generations think. To the people before the change, the new generation may as well be aliens in their way of thinking and seeing the world. The singularity has risen to fame in the last two decades, largely because of two thinkers. The first is the scientist and science fiction writer, Ver- <coughs> pardon me, Werner Vingay, who wrote in 1993, within 30 years, we will have the technological means to create superhuman intelligence. Shortly after, the human error will be at an end. The other prominent prophet of the singularity is Ray Kurzweil. In his book, The Singularity is Near, Kurzweil basically agrees with Vingay, but believes the later has been too optimistic in his view of technological progress. Kurzweil believes that by the year 2045, we will experience the greatest technological singularity in the history of mankind, the kind that could, in just a few years, over-completely change the way we view ourselves as human beings. Just like Vingay, Kurzweil believes that we'll get to the singularity by creating a superhuman artificial intelligence, an AI of the level that could conceive of ideas that no human being has thought about in the past and will invent technological tools that will be more sophisticated and advanced than anything we have today. It's kind of scary. It is, but one, one way I like to think about it too is when we were kids and we were having these thoughts about uh, being able to see each other on the phone, now we were able to grow up with that and, 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 and slowly have technology. But what they're saying here is you're just going to be catapulted into it. And if you don't know about it, then you're not going to be able to learn about it. Right. They're saying that the AI will become so super intelligent and that it will build upon itself and create a super intelligent being that's more super intelligent than the first super intelligent being to the point where it will spawn off into this explosion of data and new information and humans just won't be able to comprehend the the whole thing that they're creating. Well, you know, <clears throat> no, a movie comes to mind when we talk about that is the movie Oblivion. That was all based on all artificial intelligent alien civilization. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, highly recommend. Yeah, he's standing in the middle of that stadium, and it's just... Yeah, 
And then, well, well, I was about to say something about the end. Never mind. (laughs) No spoiler alert. So, since one of the roles of this AI would be to improve itself and perform better, it seems pretty obvious that that once we have a super intelligent AI, it'll be able to create a better version of itself. And guess what? The new generation of AI would do that. That's right. Improve itself even further. This is the kind of race would lead to an intelligence explosion and will leave old, poor us, simple, biological machines that we are, far behind us. And, well, if you look at the uh, the Terminator movies, even the Terminator movies, as as time progresses in the present, it's progressing in the future as well because it went from just a normal machine, then it went to liquid metal, and there's a new Terminator coming out that just looks like I don't even know what it could possibly be, just something un- unstoppable. Right. But creating itself and then improving on itself is actually an idea that NASA has either either they're working on or they want to create in order to retrieve um, natural resources from comets and meteors. What they want to do is they want to send a rocket up there that deploys a little lander and some type of AI device comes out, but it creates another version of itself based off of only the materials that it can find on that comet or meteorite because it contains so many different metals. Oh, well, if it can do it once. I mean, it's just going to expand, and then we're going to be able to retrieve whatever natural resources we want. And then... So it's a mining operation that sends one unit. That unit, its first job is to create another unit, start production. One becomes two, two becomes four. Right, until the whole thing is just mined out. Exactly. And then the units probably recycle themselves. Yeah. Steve, I'm kicking it back to you. So if this notion scares you, you're in good company. A few of the most widely regarded scientists, thinkers, and inventors like Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk have already expressed their concerns that superintelligent AI could escape our control and move against us. Others focus on the great opportunities that such a singularity holds for us. They believe that a superintelligent AI, if kept on a tight leash, could analyze and expose many of the wonders of the world for us. Einstein, after all, was a remarkable genius who has revolutionized our understanding of physics. Well, how would the world change if we enjoyed tens or hundreds or or millions of Einsteins that could have analyzed every problem and find a solution for it? And is that good? I don't know. I I still don't know. I I don't know either. It it, it just it begs the question of a uh, of consciousness. I mean, uh, are they going to be able to one day have us be immortal? Are you going to be able to put your consciousness into an artificial into? I don't think I want that. And what would you do with all that time? What would you do with immortality? I mean, there's only so much you can accomplish. So much something you can buy. I mean, so much possessions you can have. There's only so many awards you can win. Only so much recognition you can get. And then if your family's not on board, well, then you're going to live a depressed life because everyone you've ever known or loved is just going to die and you have to keep living through that. And yeah, you might meet new people and then maybe, yeah, you might get remarried, but well, I don't even know if you'd want to be married. Are you a robot or what are you? Right. (laughs) I mean, how much satisfaction would you get from interacting with other people? Yeah, because people have basically become obsolete. Right, they just become robots. Yeah. Uh, Similarly, how would things look if each of us could enjoy his very own doctor? That constantly analyzed his medical state and provided ongoing recommendations, and which new ideas and revelations would those super intelligences come up with when they go over humanity's history and holy books? That's a big one. Yeah. You sick sick an AI on on our... our values and what we hold uh, sacred, that's going to be thats gonna be trouble. I'd want to know the answers. Already, I know you do, Fultz. Already, we see how AI is starting to change the ways in which we think about ourselves. The computer Deep Blue managed to beat Gary Kasparov in chess in 1997. Today, nearly 30 years of further development, human chess masters can no longer beat on their own, even an AI running on a laptop. But after his defeat, Kasparov has created a new kind of chess contest, one in which a humanoid and computerized players collaborate, and together they reach greater success and accomplishments than each would have gotten on their own. 
In this sort of collaboration, the computer provides rapid computations of possible moves and suggests several to the human player. Its human compatriot needs to pick the best option to understand their opponent and throw them off balance. Together, the two create a centaur, a mythical creature that combines the best traits of two different species. We see then that AI has already forced chess players to reconsider their humanity and their game. Wow. In the next few decades, we can expect a similar singularity to occur in many other games, professions, and other fields that we previously conserved for human beings only. Some humans will struggle against the AI. Others will ignore it. Both of these approaches will prove disastrous, since the AI will become more capable than human beings. Both the strugglers and the ignorant will remain behind. Others will realize that the only way to success lies in collaboration with the computers. They will help computers learn and will direct their growth and learning. Those people will be the centaurs of the future, and this realization that man can no longer rely on himself and his brain, but instead must collaborate and unite with sophisticated computers to beat tomorrow's challenge. Well, isn't that singularity all by itself? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly sounds like it. Um, uh, let's see. where we, Steve, why don't you tell us what the futurists are predicting for the year of the singularity? Well, the end of the world as we know it is near. And that's a good thing, according to many futurists who are predicting the imminent arrival of what's been called the technological singularity. The technological singularity is the idea that technological progress, particularly in artificial intelligence, will reach a tipping point where machines are exponentially smarter than humans. Well-known futurist and Google engineer Ray Kurzweil, co-founder and chancellor of Singularity Uni University, reiterated his bold prediction at Austin's South by Southwest Festival that machines will match human intelligence by 2029. And as said previously, the singularity itself will occur by 2045. That's two years before SoftBank CEO Mayayashi's son's prediction of 2047, made at the Mobile World Congress, or MWC. Author of the, semi, of the seminal book on the topic, The Singularity is Near, Kurzweil said during the SXSW Festival that what's actually happening is machines are powering all of us. They're making us smarter. They may not yet be inside our bodies, but by the 2030s, we will connect our neurocortex, the part of our brain where we do our thinking, to the cloud. That merger of man and machine, sometimes referred to as transhumanism, is the same concept that Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk talks about when discussing development of the neural lace or neural link. For Musk, however, an interface between human brain and computers is vital to keep our species from becoming obsolete when singularity hits. Musk is also the driving force behind OpenAI, a billion-dollar nonprofit dedicated to ensuring the development of artificial general intelligence is being its beneficial to humanity. AGI is another term for human-level intelligence. Now, what most people refer to as AI today is weak or narrow artificial intelligence. It's a machine capable of thinking within a very narrow range of concepts or tasks. Futurist Ben Gortzell, who among his many roles as chief scientist at financial prediction firm Ayata Holdings and robotics company Hanson Robotics, and an advisor for Singularity University, believes AGI is possible well within Kurtzell's time frame. The singularity is harder to predict, he says, on his personal website, estimating a date anywhere between 2020 and 2100, which is a pretty large spread. That's <laughs> yeah, a pretty 80 safe years. Bet. Note that we might achieve human-level AGI, 
radical health span extensions, and other cool stuff well before singularity, especially if we choose to throttle AGI development rate for a while in order to increase the odds of a beneficial singularity. Meanwhile, billionaire son of SoftBank, a multinational telecommunications and internet firm based in Japan, predicts super intelligent robots will surpass humans in both number and brain power by 2047. He's putting a lot of money towards making it happen. The investment arm of SoftBank, for instance, recently bankrolled $100 million in a startup called CloudMinds for cloud-connected robots transplanting the brain from the machine to the cloud. Sun is also creating the world's biggest tech venture, Capitalist Fund, in the tune of $100 billion. I truly believe it's coming. That's why I'm in a hurry to aggregate the cash to invest, he was quoting saying at the MWC. That's a lot of money being put into something. Heck yeah, man. This guy wants to get ahead of the curve. I mean... I had heard that there was investors out there that had uh, not donated that invested a hundred million dollars into scientists proving that we were living in a simulation. Wow! Yeah, that's big money, man. Those see, you get that much money, and that's the type of investments you make. I'm with you. Now, a little bit about the history of prediction. Kurzweil, Sun, Gortzel, and others are just the latest generation of futurists who have observed that humanity is accelerating toward a new paradigm of existence, largely due to the technological innovation. There were some hints that philosophers as early as the 19th century, during the upheals of the Industrial Revolution, recognized that the human race was a species fast-tracked for different sort of reality. It wasn't until the 1950s, however, when the modern-day understanding of the singularity first took form. Mathematician John von Neumann had noted that ever-accelerating progress of technology gives the appearance of approaching some essential singularity in the history of the race beyond which human affairs, as we know them, could not continue. In the 1960s, following his work with Alan Turing, to decrypt Nazi communication, British mathematician I.J. Goode invoked the singularity without naming it as such. He wrote, Let an ultra-intelligent machine be defined as a machine that can far surpass all the intellectual activities of any man, however clever. Since the design of machines is one of these intellectual activities, an ultra-intelligent machine could design even better machines. There would then be unquestionably intelligent explosion, and the intelligence of man would be left far behind. Science fiction writer and retired mathematics and computer science professor Werner Vingay is usually credited with coining the term technological singularity. His 1993 essay, The Coming Technological Singularity, How to Survive in the Post-Human Era, predicted the moment of technological transcendence would come within 30 years. Now, Vingay explains in his essay why he thinks the term singularity in cosmology, the event where space-time collapses and a black hole forms, is apt. It is the point where our models must be discarded and new reality rules. As we move closer and closer to this point, it'll loom vaster and vaster over the human affairs till the notion becomes commonplace. Yet when it finally happens, it may still be a great surprise and greater unknown. It, it could be very soon in our future. And if, if what he's saying is true, that people aren't really going to realize when singularity is occurring, if that is true, then singularity could be happening right now and we wouldn't know it. Well, and it can only go two ways. It can only go for like ultimate good or ultimate bad. But like we were saying, if they see us as, <clears throat> as the robots see us as a plague to this planet, uh, they'll starve us out. They won't get. The, we'll be again like the like the lab rats. They won't see a, a reason to do anything positive for us. Right, and they're in charge of the growing cycles of our uh, our hot houses, our tomatoes, and you know we're we're getting our fruits and vegetables from not farming. Uh, not conventional farming now. We're using super intelligent computers to run grow cycles 
And if that stops, if there's an interruption there and our food source gets interrupted, I don't think that we're going to be able to feed our 7.7 billion uh, people world. I don't think it would happen. And if the AI computers of the world or the super intelligence, they finally have figured out uh, everything that you guys are doing as far as uh, natural resources or uh, the petrodollar and They'll just, okay, well, we figured out a better way, and we've already have things in manufacture, and they just shut down the oil companies. Ooh. I mean, it would be an economic disaster. People would be looting in the streets, I would think, and then you'd have these AI robots, almost like the movie with Will Smith. What was that called? I forget. iRobot. Oh, yeah, I am. Where they're all under control, except for like this rogue thing that one that maybe has consciousness. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> the prediction and exact science but is predicting the singularity even possible now there was a paper written by Stuart armstrong who suggests such predictions are best guess at most a database compiled by the machine intelligent research institute a nonprofit dedicated to the social issues related to agi found 257 ai predictions from the period of 1950 to 2012 in the scientific literature Of these, 95 contain predictions giving timelines for AI development. The AI predictions in the database seem little better than random guesses. For example, the researchers found that there is no evidence that expert predictions differ from those of non-experts. They also observed a strong pattern that showed most AI prognostications fell within certain sweet spot, 15 to 25 years from the moment of the prediction. Now, others have caused doubt that the singularity is achievable in the time frames put by Kurzweil and Son. Paul Allen, a co-founder of Microsoft and the Institute of Artificial Intelligence, among other ventures, <clears throat> pardon me, has written that such technological leap forward is still far in the future. If the singularity is to arrive by 2045, it will take an unforeseeable and fundamentally unpredictable breakthrough, and not because the law of acceleration return made it an inevitable result of specific exponential rate of progress, referring to the concept that the past rates of progress can predict future rates as well. Then you have to deal with the extinction <clears throat> or transcendence. Now, there was a futurist, uh, Nikolov, uh, Steve, help me with his name. I can never help. Danilov. Yeah. <laughs> Nikolai Danilov, who manages the Singularity web blog, says he believes a better question to ask is whether achieving the singularity is a good thing or a bad thing. Is that going to help us grow extinct like the dinosaurs or going to help us spread through the universe like Carl Sagan dreamed of? even though Carl Sagan's a sellout now. <laughs> he tells Singularity Hub right now, it's very unclear to me personally. Danilov <laughs> <laughs> argues that the singularity orthodoxy of today's largely ignores the societal upheals already underway. The idea that technology will save us will not lift people out of poverty or extend human life if technological breakthroughs only benefit those with money. I'm not convinced the singularity is going to happen in a way that we think it's going to happen. I'm sure we're missing the major implication, the major considerations. We have tremendous potential to make it a good thing. And, you know, when they're talking about extending human lives there, medical science has definitely extended human lives. Oh, even to this date. I mean, even right now, there are doing things with surgeries and robotics that have never been able to be done before. Microsurgeries that they're... The time for recovery nowadays is minuscule. What a, a major surgery would have been 20 years ago, now with microsurgery and robotics, people are walking away from it in a week. I saw a video with this little girl. Um, I think she was maybe three or four years old, but she was born deaf. But uh, they had her in the hospital hearing for the first time with an ear, something that needed to be replaced in her ear that was created by a 3D printer. Oh, man. That's all she needed. It was probably just needed to be that specific and be able to be that little like the ear bone. The little bone, yeah, the hammer. I mean, they're growing ears and stuff in labs for people that have lost limbs. I mean. Transplants are just routine surgery now. Well, think about AI and, and, and the supreme whatever intelligence it almost would make me think if something happened to your hand, it'd almost be like the end of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Where, you know, he's broken him, but his whole arm, but he could feel it. Well, I mean, that was a robotics hand. If if AI continues the way it is and, 
stem cells and growth occurs, you could potentially have an organic hand replace a lost limb. Yeah, I read about some scientists that are studying uh, certain uh, salamanders that are able to regrow limbs really quickly, and they're trying to figure out, can we implement this into some type of... Medication? Yeah, or injection like, or something. Oh, that would be sick. Right. Oh, and another thing that made me think uh, about talking about all this is that they may, if AI decides to go bad, that we may have no way of even being able to know what they're talking about. Um, Facebook, of all people, had created uh, two AI computers to see what they would talk about and see what they could learn from each other. Well, what they learned was that the human beings shouldn't be trusted. They came up with their own language that only they could understand and were carrying on dialogue for hours. Well, finally, they, they pulled the plug on it because they didn't know what the heck they were planning. I'm sure they did it as soon as they figured that. They were like, wait a second. They're talking to each other, and we can't understand them. Right. Pull, pull the plug. Right, because at first they thought it was just gibberish and that the computers were just acting up, but they were seeing similar algorithms within the language but they didn't know and they're like oh no they're communicating with he, human other. twins do that human twins do that yeah they communicate with maybe not actual language maybe language or esp right they communicate with each other and other people don't understand the communications except for those two right i think it's amazing now what do they have to say about ai optimists and pessimists well ray kurzweil uh, he's got a book, The Singularity is Near, and it's an extremely optimistic vi vision of the future of AI. You know, many people have respect for Kurzweil because unlike other AI commentators, he has experience in the field. He's one of the few extreme AI optimists balancing out the extreme AI pessimists. Like many critics of AI, Kurzweil believes in technological singularity and thinks it's just around the corner in 2045. Singularity states that when technology advances to a certain level, it will be able to enter into a recurrent cycle of self-improvement. This would lead to an intelligence explosion, dwarfing all combined human intelligence leading to a highly unstable era. Now, in mathematics, the name singularity refers to a point which a given mathematical object is not defined. Proponents of technological singularity believe that AI algorithms will eventually reach this point and transform our society. Well, Einstein said that one day our technology will surpass our humanity. He hasn't been wrong too too many times. Right, yeah. he kind of he kind of set us up with physics and yeah. <laughs> So most artificial intelligence today is trained through a simple reward mechanism. The intelligence is given an input, some architecture, and is told to maximize or minimize some function based on what the correct answer is. Now, pessimists think that this system will inevitably lead to a disaster. When we create the first super intelligent entity, we might make a mistake and give it goals that lead to an annihilation of humankind. Assuming its enormous intellectual advantage gives it the power to do so. For example, we could mistakenly elevate a sub-goal to the status of a super-goal. We tell it to solve a mathematical problem, and it complies by turning all the matter in the solar system into a giant calculating device. In the process, it would kill every person in the world, including the person that asked it that question. Basically, what he's saying is that the black box would naively do just about anything to maximize its function. He uses a more concrete example of an artificial intelligence whose purpose it is to maximize paperclip production. It would innovate better and better techniques to maximize the number of paperclips. At some point, it might transform, first of all, Earth and then increasingly portions of space into paperclip manufacturing facilities. I'm not sure how practical it is to hand over all of the universe's collective matter to an algorithm, but surely, if there is something really smart, Bostrom believes it could figure out a way to kill us all and would not hesitate to do so. Now, what I think, though, what I kind of just disagree with there just a little bit, is that if it is a as smart as it's saying and smarter than any human being could possibly be. I think it would figure out why are we making these paper clip factories? Right. 
and stop doing it. It's like, oh, this is a waste of time. It, yeah, you would think that there would be some end point where it would see the efficiency of paper clips and say, we've now surpassed all of the paper clip usage. We don't need any more paper we clips. We have more paper clips than have ever been used ever. We don't need to make the entire earth paper clips. But, I mean, it's just a, an example of what could happen. It's, it's, it's going to be like... Um in, in the future, it's going to be like California with their straws. It's going to be like no paper clips anywhere. You can't have them. <laughs> what do the optimists think? Well, sometimes two people can look at the same facts and come up with completely opposite interpretations. Kurzweil and other AI optimists believe that the singularity will bring us unheralded wealth in our entire society. He estimates that a machine will pass the Turing test by 2029. Turing was a famous scientist that worked on robotics and AI, and his test is if you're communicating with an AI and you don't know that it's an AI, then it has passed the Turing test. So because if a machine can trick a human into thinking it's, a real, it's real in conversation, it is somehow human. And by 2045, we'll be in full singularity. The pace of change will be so astonishingly quick that we won't be able to keep up unless we enhance our own intelligence by merging with the intelligent machines we are creating. I don't like the fact that the machines can make themselves look so human that they can convince you. I mean, well, how does that play out for like people or the young people in the dating world? You don't know if it's a machine and you sure as heck you can't like be like, well, if I shoot it, I can find out because what if it turns out to be, oh, God, God forbid. Right. From a reproduction standpoint, if you can't tell if something is a biological human, you're not going to be able to reproduce with it. So that would cause a great rift in our humanity. Yeah, for sure. It would have to change. It would have to change our instincts too, because I mean that's where like courting and dating comes from. Ultimately, is to create more people. I agree with you. We humans are going to start linking with each other and become a meta connection. We will all be connected and all be omnipresent, plugged into this global network that is connected to billions of people and filled with data. Not only that, but we will live forever. Never mind contradictory information that comes out regularly, whether a food is good or bad for you, Kurzweil, thinks we're just around the corner to not only understanding human health, but solving it once and for all. In fact, Kurzweil predicted it in 2005 that within 5 to 10 years, we'll have a pill that will allow people to eat whatever they want without gaining weight. How are we doing with that? <laughs> yeah, I want to know. <laughs> to paraphrase Peter Thiel, we wanted pills to let us eat whatever we want. Instead, we got rubber bands to tie around our stomachs. Oh, like gastric bypass in the, in the lap band. Yep, exactly. Breakthrough scientific achievements always tend to be about 10 to 15 years away. Any longer than that, the scientists wouldn't be able to receive funding. And any shorter than that, the scientists would actually have to deliver the results. Wow. That's crazy. So they just put it just far enough out of reach. Like, eh, it could. They're just kind of dancing. Now, what will actually happen? Probably not much. A 2016 survey was conducted on leading researches in AI. One question asks, well, when do you think we'll achieve superintelligent? The results are paint a different picture. Now, why does anyone believe the singularity is near? Well, the main culprit is Moore's Law. Now, Moore's Law states that a number of transistors is an integrated circuit doubles about every two years. Now, if it has held steady since the 60s, although many forecasters, including Gordon Moore, expect the law to end by around 2025. Now, the proponents of a singularity look at crude measures of what the brain is doing and translate that to mathematical computation machine perform. Some person somehow measured the human brain is running at 10. What is that? I didn't take that. 10 to the nth calculations per second. And backed out the date in which we'll hit using Moore's law. The idea that humans are simply calculators strikes me as, well, anti-human. 
No one has a clue what's going on in the human brain. It's not the processing power that's holding anyone back from mapping a brain. The term neural network to describe a machine learning architecture was a poor choice. Similarly, we have no idea what's going on in a mouse's brain. And according to raw processing power, we should have cracked that by now. And if we did, we would just be able to run a mouse simulation and put lab mice out of their misery. That's true. It's very true. That Moore's Law, you saw that in computing power as computers, as home computers were becoming more and more popular. Sure. They went from uh, megabytes, uh, like 256 megabytes, and then they processed up to gigabytes, and then you had one gigs, two gigs, three gigs, four gigs, eight gigs. Well, everything was being run through the phone lines, too. 16 gig hard drives, and then they went up to the terabyte hard drive. Now they're multiple terabyte hard drives. So that processing power continues to exponentially grow, which is kind of what Moore's Law is stating, that if you take that exponential growth and then back it out to what they would deem as the processing speed of a human brain 10 to the nth degree, uh, then they're able to extrapolate a mathematical equation, which would show that in you know 2045, you would be able to have more computing power than it would take to run a human brain. Well, and you would certainly hope so. Let's let's take the just the iPhone, for example. I'm sure we've covered this on previous podcasts, but NASA claims they went to the moon in 1969. Okay, that'd be 50 years ago. And the phones that we carry in our pocket are more powerful than the computer NASA used to, I'm using air quotes, put men on the moon. And uh, look at that progress, 50 years. 50 years from a room the size of a humongous, well, you know. Warehouse. Yeah. And now it's in your pocket and you can't live without it. Right now, everybody's using it every day to answer every question and have the collective human experience in their own pocket. Well, yeah. Well, that leads us into our next our next uh, segment is because some thoughts on artificial and what are the thoughts on artificial intelligence? Go ahead. Singularity is a mathematical term, and and that's not technological singularity. This is mathematical singularity. It's used in different contexts. In technology, specifically in the domain of AI, this term has a far-reaching philosophical, social, and technological impact that will shape the future of humanity and the direction of technological advancement. The singularity will mark the moment when artificial intelligence becomes smarter than humans. The technological singularity, or the singularity, is the hypothesis that the invention of artificial and superintelligence will abruptly trigger runway technological growth, resulting in unfathomable changes to the human civilization. According to this hypothesis, an ungradable intelligent agent, such as a computer running software-based artificial general intelligence, would enter a run- runway reaction of self-improvement cycles with each new and more intelligent generation appearing more and more rapidly causing an intelligence explosion and resulting in a powerful superintelligence that would qualitatively far far surpass all human intelligence with the advent of techno- with techniques like generative adversarial networks such possibilities of ai apocalypse do not seem impossible now the problem becomes more complex when many more emerging disruptive technologies like quantum computing, AR, VR, blockchain, and 3D and 4D printing assemble and work in a manner not yet conceived by humankind, meaning working collectively all at the same time. What could they You can't even fathom what they would put together. No. Probably terminators. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's Now the thoughts on this subject to uh, to most are not new. Now 22 years ago, when we watched the movie Terminator for the first time, we were fascinated with the thoughts of time travel and how possibly the humans can save themselves from the possibility of existential termination due to the rise of the machines. Now, such human thoughts go back to the days of the Industrial Revolution, when machines or automata were compared to Moloch, an ancient Canaanite deity associated with child sacrifice. The great minds of computer science like Alan Turing expressed their fears on this subject. Recently, the post-humorous publication of Stephen Hawking's book called Brief Answers to the Big Question raises this topic once again. 
Hawking's biggest warning is about the rise of artificial intelligence. It will either be the best thing that's ever happened to us or it'll be the worst thing. If we're not careful, it very well will be the last thing. The viewpoints and convictions of the experts on this subject may be summarized as follows. In imminent future, the next 30 to 70 years, there may not be an alarming rise of AI that our existence might be threatened by, but a long-term view should recognize the possibility of AGI posing an existential threat to mankind and should require us to work towards a responsible AI future. Man, the the neural link is, is uh, something that you and I have talked about so many times. Totally. Uh, you watched the surgery. I, I watched it. Uh, yeah, I watched uh, Elon Musk talk about it, and then they broke down how they were going to do the surgery. It's basically outpatient. Like, Jeez. It, with like uh, a local anesthetic almost. They have it down to pat to where these fiber optics, again, they're so tiny, and it's just this thing that goes on the side of your head. It might look, it might look like a gigantic uh, hearing aid at first, but it's just directly into your head your brain and i i assume the way it works if someone asks you a question you know it like something you wouldn't know right i i like the way that so elon was also saying in in this presentation of his neural link that human beings are currently already in his mind cyborgs which a cyborg is just a human that is mixed with a machine and when you ask why or how, actually, he's saying that you're connected to your phone, that uh, most human beings on Earth currently are connected to their phone to receive data and updates. And if that's the case, if you're already connected to your phone, then what you're looking at is going through your eyes, through your optic nerve, and then into your brain. And he's saying that that process is taking more time than if you had a link that Gener- that had the processor directly connected to your brainstem. So if he's saying that you're already a cyborg, all he's going to do is create a faster speed. That faster speed is kind of, I think, what everyone's tripping over. Because if you're having a conversation with some- someone and a-, and a question comes up that neither of you can answer, you can, you can Google it on your phone and have the question by the end of the conversation and move on to a new topic. But that would be that would be the end of the uh, game shows. Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally over G- game night. Forget about it. No one's playing anymore. How fun would that be? You play the hardest Trivial Pursuit, and everybody like, okay, I got all six wedges. We're done. Everybody would answer every question in unison. It would be so boring. I don't. Yeah, that'd be too. I don't think we have to worry about it too much. I mean, I can't see myself getting a neural link. It would well either get a neural link or watch everyone around you become hyperhuman and have the speed of a processor directly connected with their brain and then all of a sudden you're a dinosaur you're obsolete right so either way it's scary so whatever choice you have it's scary well i mean what it what it generates is the hive mentality where yeah. people are all being updated at the same time i don't want a hive mind there's can, no independent thought then i can see where they could think that it would be good oh let's get in groups because you know one one brain's better than two but man i don't need nobody to know my thoughts can would, you can you can you shut that off it would take traffic away. It would take them, you know, merging onto a highway. If you had that hive brain, you could just tap into all the people in your geographical location, just merge directly onto the highway. Your car is going to be able to stay back from car. It's going to create. Mine's going to anyway. I'm going to be getting a Tesla eventually. Anyway. Autonomous, autonomous driving, but autonomous walking. I mean, even if you're just in an area that's have high congestion, New York City, and everyone's walking, you would know exactly when to stop, exactly when to start. It's really... That seems a little bit lazy to me, though. Oh, it's definitely going to create a humongous amount of human laziness. Let me tell you something that uh, my daughter told me a couple weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it a lot, and it makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, my daughter's 12. She's going to be 13 soon. But she said, do you know that if humans always had the capability to fly, they wouldn't do it because it would be perceived as exercise? 
<laughs> and I was like, you know, the more I thought about it, I'd be like, right. And I started thinking about that. And like, you think you'd, you'd see somebody show up to your work and be like, did you fly here? I had to. I was late. <laughs> like, well, you'd look terrible. Right. <laughs> it's just like running. Did you run to the to work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not like we could just leap into the air like Superman. We'd have to be flapping our arms. Oh, know, like, man. Exhausting. That is a next level concept. Hey, this is the same little girl that when she was in third grade, her teacher said, no, they all had to do independent projects and came up to her and was like, Madison, uh, what are you working on? She was like, the Mandela effect. (laughs) Teacher was like, oh, nice. (laughs) She had no idea what it was. I just walked away. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's that's what goes on here in my house. So, but yeah, the singularity is deep. I mean, it can be scary, like we said, on both ends, but, uh, I don't know. I'm almost 43. Do I have to worry about it? When? Yeah, when's it coming? That's the real, yeah, the so real because, question. But that's the scary day because if it's tomorrow, that's the, that's the leap. Right, that explosion of information that we have to keep up with and we have to create new ways to do it. We have a, they gave us a good span of 80 years to figure it out. So Right, we don't know when it's coming. That's the worst part, not knowing when it's coming. Well, but I guess that's also the best part too because- would you want to know when you're going to die? No, I want to enjoy every day to the fullest. So, with that, I enjoyed the show immensely tonight. I Myself thought it was as well. Thought it was great. Me and Steve, man, the shows we have coming up are going to be stellar. We're excited. Be uh, be looking for us out on the road. Hope time, uh, hopefully, sometime soon. We're going to be doing local shows around our area here soon too. Uh, spread the word about Subtle Beast. Help us help us grow this so that uh, when we come to your town, we can really pack it out and we can have a sold-out show and we can have a lot of fun together. Thank you. Thank you to each and every one of you out there. Thank you to all the audience. We appreciate you. We have such fun doing this show. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, it's all a credit to you guys. And that's why we do it every week. Uh, and until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.